Hello and welcome to another episode of the Read More Podcast, the show that brings readers and writers together. I'm your host, Marva Hinton. Today our guest is Fabienne Josephat. Her first novel in English, Dancing in the Barren Shadow, was recently published. Today we're at Florida International University where she teaches English. It's also where she received her MFA. Thank you so much for joining us, Fabienne. Thank you so much for having me. Dancing in the Barren Shadow takes place in Haiti in the mid-60s, and the Baron you speak of is Francois Duvalier, who was also known as Papa Doc. How did you come up with the title of the book? Well, I actually went through a few ideas when thinking of the title, and I came up with half of the title with, uh, in, in the sense that Baron was what stood out to me because in my research, I found out that um, some people used a code name Baron in reference to Baron Samdi, the mythical um, voodoo figure of um, the guardian of cemeteries, right? And I think it, 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 it was well chosen because it suited Papa Doc's um, appearance. He always dressed in that Baron Samdi uh, black suit and the hat and the glasses, and I, I'm, and it's believed that he actually enjoyed <laughs> dressing that way because he he wanted to convey that image. So that that informed the title. I felt like the Baron's shadow was what was looming over the characters throughout the story that I wanted to write, um, and I, the dancing part was what came later on. So I tried a couple of things, but I feel like in thinking about the Baron, um, and how people try to escape him, it feels like it is a dance with death in a way, which is what Bawan Samji does as well. And um, so, so in my mind, dancing in the Baron's shadow is a is a dance with with death, but also a dance to escape death. So trying to escape that shadow, and I feel like dancing had a certain flair to it. And you know, it's it sounds. Um, different than running. And, and I, I have to um, credit Lynn Barrett as well because we were sort of discussing ideas for the title and she, you know, we sort of talked about ways to give the title more energy. But um, but that's how the title came about. And Lynn Barrett, you just mentioned she is a teacher here at FIU in the MFA program. Is that where you started writing this novel? It is. I had the idea in mind when I came into uh, my MFA program, and, and so it became my thesis, and I, I worked on it for a few years, and um, and so when I referenced Lynn Barrett, that's that's why she comes up is because she was she was helpful in, in the creation of the title, and and, um, and the MFA program was really helpful as a whole in helping me develop um, the novel. And why did you decide you wanted to write about this time period? I feel that it's a time period that people won't let go. <laughs> um, I feel like they either romanticize it or they talk about it in a way where they need to remember. And it's always part of our history. So I, f- I wanted to write about it because I was curious about what happened. So, so there's what's, what happened on the surface, what's been written about historically. but. I became extremely curious um, about the actual people, like real people who had to live through this and how horrifying that must have been for so many of them. So curiosity is what made me want to explore that period in time. I could have 
um, written it under Baby Doc and not Papa Doc, which I actually did try. But I, I found myself really drawn to Papa Doc's image and, and this persona that he had, and he was trying to that he was trying to develop as a means of, of um, keeping a hold on the people. In the novel, you have two brothers who are very different, Raymond and Nicholas, and they both end up in trouble with Papa Doc's regime. They encounter his militia, the Tantan Maku, and there are scenes that take place in a notorious prison. How hard was it for you as a writer to really go there and write about such brutal violence? Well, it was extremely hard. I, it was really depressing to the point where um, I found myself being depressed during the period while I was writing a novel, the first draft especially, um, because I was discovering things that I never knew about and ever thought about. This is an extremely brutal period, and I think that people don't really understand what that means until you have to listen to someone talk about their experience in Fort Zimash or their experience during an encounter with the Tatomakut. And so having to uncover that and really go deeply into the violence that people endured, that took a toll. It did. Um, Mostly because I think about real people who've lived it and you know, it makes you wonder, what if this was my brother or my father or, you know, my, my niece? It's, it's harrowing, and it, it, there's no way to write about it or read about it, but especially write about it without feeling depressed. Well, how much research did you have to do while you were writing this book or before you started writing this book about this time period? Well, I started writing the story before I started the research, and I told myself that I would just write um, based on what I already know. And everyone in Haiti knows, oh, that was the era, and people couldn't say certain things, and I know what Totomakut looked like. So I just went with that. But right after starting um, the novel and putting the characters out on the page, I really started um, doing research. So I did a lot of research and to, to the point where I didn't even know where to, where to stop. Um, because it's really consuming and it's fascinating. So I, I did a lot of talking to people. So I, I had to talk to people like Jean Mapu, who um, are survivors of um, Fort Zimash. And um, I had to talk to historians. I had to do a lot of reading. And there's a lot written about the era, which was really great. And a lot of journalists and historians have documented what had happened um, during the era. And um, looking at photos or photographs and maps and anything that I could find and, and, and talking to relatives who had lived throughout the, the era. And it becomes an interesting mix of information because everyone has their own little piece that they want to contribute. And really the novel became about piecing these things together without, without using all of that information, which is really impossible. So. Um, I would say there's a there's a decent well maybe a thirty percent, thirty percent of of the research maybe made it into into the novel, but but um, I wanted to let the characters just live the story. But the, the research, I feel like till today, every time I see a book about it, I I grab the book and I really want to read it. So yeah. Well, switching gears just a little bit now, uh, we talked about the fact that you teach English and you're teaching writing. What role does your teaching play when it comes to your work? I mean, does it enhance it? Does it make it 
more difficult? I mean, hmm. oh God, that's a great question. Um, I have to think about it for a minute. Well, uh, as a teacher, I feel that it's it's my responsibility, especially when I teach creative writing. Um, because I, when I teach composition classes, it's a much more regimented. You know, we're, we're writing essays about this and about that. But it still becomes important for the students to write about the things that they care about. And and I sort of I feel like I have to, to get them interested in writing uh, about what they care about because that's what I want to write about. Now, I don't know if it works the other way around, if the teaching has an impact on my work per se, but... It definitely helps me not in maybe if not in the writing process, but in the in the connecting process where I connect with people. Um, I feel like sometimes I learn so much from my students, and I feel like I like to learn from other people. And I'm hoping that other people would also like to learn what I have to you know would enjoy what I have to share with them. So I'm not even sure if I'm not sure if I'm answering the question because I'm I hadn't thought about that. It's such a great question. I might need to come back to that question if that's okay. Okay, we can talk about your yeah. teaching a little bit later on too. Uh, what are you working on right now? I know that this book just came out last month, but are you already working on another project? What are you doing now? I am working on a project right now. I am working on a novel and I'm afraid that if I say too much about it <laughs> that I'll lose the uh, impulse but I'm very passionate about it and it's also I, I will say that it's also historical and it's um, taking place at the end of the 60s early 70s and it's going beyond Haiti this time so I'm trying to to see how history uh, impacted more than Haiti at the time so um, Europe and um, you know and then the Caribbean and the United States so yeah well, here at Read More, we always like to talk to writers about their influences when it comes to reading. Now, English was not your first language, is that right? That's right. Uh, French and Creole are my first languages. So when you did learn English and you started reading in English, do you remember the first book you read in English that was really sort of a game changer for you, a book that you really enjoyed and influenced you as you went forth with your writing? I actually do. I remember the first novel that I read in English. I was in Haiti and my mother lived in, in the States, so she would send me books and uh, she started sending me these novels and she sent me a novel by Sidney Sheldon and the title was The Other Side of Midnight and I remember that I couldn't put it down. So, because so, I was already learning English in class, but also I was I knew English because I used to visit my mother in the states at a young age. So I picked up English. It's easier to pick it up when you're younger, pick up languages when you're younger. But I remember reading it and just I couldn't put it down. I kept turning the pages, and one chapter led to another, to, to the point where I took that novel to class, and I would read it. And like I had the type of desk that sort of opened up, like you flip up the. <laughs> I would put it in there, and I would put my head in the desk and I would read it and I was like, oh my God, I couldn't close this this book and 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 I think that's when it sort of clicked that wow, like someone actually wrote that 
and it's a total book and, and other people are reading it. I want to do that. That's how passionate I was about, about it. And I think that's when I started to, I mean, I always wrote and I knew that I, writing was in me and that I wanted to write books. But, but Sidney Sheldon made it real, you know? And uh, so I remember that moment very vividly. And how old were you? Um, I think I was about 13, 14 years old, maybe. If you couldn't read any new work and you could only read, you know, three things you've read in the past, and, and of course you could read those three things as much as you want, do you have three books that would come to mind for you? Oh, that's a great one. Yes. I, I try to read 100 Years of Solitude whenever I can. There are so many great passages in this book. It's also one of my favorite novels of all time. I, I love it. And... Um, I feel like there's so much magic in it and so much beauty and such good writing that I, I just find myself returning to it. But I also love, um, I know the title in French because the writer actually referenced in the novel, Jacques Stephen Alexis, the novel is called Compère Général Soleil. I think it's called, in English, I think it's called General Son, My Brother. And that book is 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 phenomenal. I have no words to describe it except that I remember reading the first chapter of that book and going, I oh my God, there's not only is there conflict, but there's poetry. There's so much poetry happening and I didn't realize that it was possible to combine these things. So so that book is phenomenal for me. And um, I would say that another novel is also also by a Haitian author that I love very much is um, Masters of the Do. And I remember it because it might have been one of the very first novels, a complete novel that I remember reading that stayed with me because the characters are amazing, but the story and the spirit of this book is amazing. Um, and this one, just like Copia General Soleil from Jacques Stephen Alexis, are, are novels that Haitians reference a lot because they're big works of literature in Haiti. And um, in the, they're, they're just full of the Haitian spirit, that, that ancestral spirit that you can do, we can all do this together type of thing, but also with so much poetry, it's, oh my goodness, I, I just shiver just thinking about it. Well, going back to your teaching now, I mean, is there a particular novel that you really enjoy teaching? Well, so far we've been, I've been teaching my students short stories. So, in term, if I had a novel that I wanted to teach them, um, hmm, I think I would, I would love to teach Toni Morrison because I actually recently taught a short uh, Toni Morrison's short story recitative, which is the only short story that that she's written. I found out, but I would love to teach like the Bluest Eye because I'm really in love with these books and. I, I would love to have my students have conversations about them because I feel like there are so many layers and so much nuance in, in her novels. And she has such a great voice, you know? So I think if I'm given the chance, you know, that would be one author that I would turn to in terms of novel. And, and also, um, you know, Juno Diaz, is I find that a lot of my students really love his work. They connect with his work a lot. How could you not? And so, um, you know, authors like that, I think I would love to use their novels in class. 
Well, you mentioned a couple of them already, some uh, Haitian authors that you really enjoy. Um, are there uh, other Haitian authors that you think uh, readers in America should really know about but don't? Well, I think a lot of people know Edwidge, and what she's contributed to literature is so amazing. So if they don't, if they haven't read her work, they should, um, definitely, because she's she's amazing. And, and um, I, I, I think that she's also one of the authors that, who's, who I would love to teach in, in class. Um, I also, I actually recently taught one of her short stories to my students. Um, other Haitian writers that people should know about other than Jacques Stéphane Alexis and Jacques Houmet, the two authors I re referenced. There are authors like Marie-Vieux Chauvet. Yeah, actually, I, th I think that when people think about Haitian literature, it's very male-dominated, but there is so much um, work written by women, like Marie-Vieux Chauvet, that I think people should read. Paulette Pujol-Loyol is also one of them. I will be putting these names up on our website, readmorepodcast.com, in case anyone is interested and wants to learn more about them. So just a few more questions here. Um, we talked a lot about things that you've read and that you have enjoyed. Now I just want to talk a little bit on the, the flip side. Is there any novel that maybe you have tried to read several times, but it's just it doesn't resonate with you and you haven't been able to, to finish it. Uh, I'm particularly thinking of something that, you know, maybe it's pretty common. Maybe a lot of other people have read, but for you, it's just not doing it. Mm. Well, um, I will say that the f even though I read it the first time that I read The Bluest Eye, I wasn't ready. <laughs> and so after three pages, I remember closing the book and I told my friend, I don't think I can read this. I'm not understanding what's going on. There was so much going on in there, and I was I was younger at the time, and I, I really didn't understand a lot. Um, but then I, I actually, re, you know, ended up reading it later on in my life, I, quite recently actually, and, and fell in love with it. So I think of that. Uh, lastly, what are you reading right now? Right now, I am reading. A couple, I think I'm reading a couple of things at the time. So, so I'm reading Marlon James's novel, um, A Brief History of Seven Killings. And I wanted to like hang on to it, just read it on, on, on its own, but then all the, these great things are coming up. I'm about to start a new book while I'm reading Marlon James. I just got it in the mail. Um, I'm reading Elaine Brown's A Taste of Power. Well, I'm, I'm going to read it. Um, and I, I'm never really the type of person to read two novels at once, but I'm really interested in, in the history um, of America in the 60s and 70s right now. So I recently watched a documentary on uh, PBS um, about the Black Panthers and I thought, and then so I, and then I, uh, that led me to Elaine Brown. And so I really wanted to know her version of the story. And so I'm interested in knowing how women, um, you know, in the Black Panthers, um, how, what, what, what their history, what their stories are. So that's what I'm reading right now. Now, does that have something to do with the novel that you're working on? Uh, I think I might have given it away yet. <laughs> um, yes, it's, I'm researching. So uh, it's it's great because I'm interested in the story, but it's also research. So it's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, Fabienne Josephat, I thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. We also want to thank the MFA program at FIU for hosting us today.
If you like the show, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. You can find out how to win a free signed copy of Fabian's Dancing in the Barren Shadow on our website, readmorepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at readmorepodcast.com and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash readmorepodcast. Please join us again in two weeks for another edition of the show that brings readers and writers together. Until then, I'm Marva Hinton reminding you to read more.